for the last, I'm not sure how many weeks now, we've really been looking at developing resources for dealing with challenge. Uh, it, it, we are in extremely challenging times and we need a practice that gives us a foundation and a strength to meet what's all here. So last week, uh, started looking at the resource of deliberately, intentionally taking in the good uh, as a way of strengthening themselves, as a way of, of being present. So I said that this week I would share from Rick Hansen. Uh, he's, he has um, some very specific practices around taking in the good. If you're not familiar with him, he's a wonderful art author, mindfulness teacher. Um, I'm not sure exactly, like, is he a psychiatrist, psychologist? I'm not sure exactly what, but he is um, somebody who's very skilled at taking all of the neuroscience and translating it for the rest of us uh, in a way that makes it highly usable. So he's got several, several books, Hardwiring Happiness, um, um, among others. So a lot of what I'm drawing from today, I did a mindfulness, uh, mindful schools training uh, um, a long time ago now, actually, and Rick Hansen did a webinar for us. So a lot of this is from my notes from, from that webinar, uh, because it was really good. So he started with a very commonly shared story you've probably heard before. It involves an old man and his grandson. And one evening, the grandfather told the grandson about a battle that goes on inside of him every day. And he said, my grandson, the battle is between two wolves inside all of us. One is evil, anger, envy. Jealousy, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good, joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, compassion, empathy, benevolence, generosity, truth and faith. Grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old man simply replied, the one you feed. So Rick Hansen used this story to illustrate the importance of feeding the good in us, strengthening the good in us which draws directly from the concept of neuroplasticity. Um, there is this remarkable capacity of our minds, of our brains, to constantly rewire in light of the experiences that we feed, either consciously or unconsciously, to our brains throughout our day. I remember when I was in med school a long time ago, um, we were pretty much, we were taught that um, the brain was capable of changing pretty much up until about the age of six. And then after the age of six, you were stuck with what you got for the rest of your life. 
we now know absolutely this just wrong. The brain changes throughout our life. That's an ingrained quality of, of our nervous systems, this capacity to learn and grow on the basis of our, of our experiences. Getting our heads wrapped around this inborn quality is empowering. It's where the strength of mindfulness really comes from. This ability to understand that we have the capacity to direct, self-direct some of the growth of our brain. That's a very powerful thing. So as Rick Hansen points out, there are really two basic kinds of, of neuroplasticity. There's what he calls experience-dependent neuroplasticity. That is just whatever happens to us is always influencing our brain. Um, um, our, and this works both in positive and negative ways. Um, uh, where we rest our minds is what grows in our minds. So at a very, very practical level, if we allow stress to run unhindered in our lives, then we are in effect training our brain how to do stress better and better, stronger and stronger. Um, if I feel pressured someday and so just run at a stressed out pace all day trying to catch up, I am training my brain to teach me to be stressed out and run all day long. I'm letting that experience be what directs the, the growth direction of my brain. And we have the capacity with our conscious attention to change this. Uh, Rick Hansen calls this the self-directed neuroplasticity, bringing mindful awareness and all of its qualities of wisdom, compassion, kindness to a moment. I am deliberately, intentionally training my brain in a different direction. What's really interesting is that they've been able to show how conscious attention is a primary pathway for growing the brain. There is something about the focused conscious attention, intentionally directed attention, that, um, as Rick Hansen calls it, is like a vacuum cleaner, um, heightens the effect of the neuroplasticity. So, you know, there's still no miracle grow here. It takes time. But the more that we can put the, the conscious attention, uh, the more we are choosing the direction um, of, of this kind of growth in our brain. So you take that example of having an anxiety or pressure, time pressure day. Um, if you think about it, um, Obviously, if we're not paying attention, we can easily let that sort of external experience or experience, you know, internal actually, snowball into an overwhelming day. But linking the experience of I'm stressed, linking it deliberately with, and I have a mindfulness practice, and I can take a breath.
and I can bring my qualities, my practice of compassion and care to this moment. And then if I need to do it again, I can do it again and again and again throughout the day. I am training new neuropathways directly into like linking a moment of stress with a moment of knowing that there's this capacity of bringing soothing, calming, of bringing a mindful awareness to dealing with it. So, you know, this is that basic question. Am I choosing to feed the anxious wolf or the wiser wolf um, in my own life? This kind of, you know, neuroscience, we needed, we needed the studies for us to understand that our brains changed past the age of six. But if you look in, all, in any spiritual tradition, this has always been known. It's always been talked about. This is the teaching of, this is the, like the foundational teaching of Buddhist psychology. It's in any kind of religious spiritual tradition of this capacity to intentionally direct a change for our help, our wholeness, our wellness in another direction. So this is a very old vignette that says what we needed an MRI to figure out. Um, a wandering holy man is asked what his work in life is. He replies, I am a farmer. This body of mine is my field. I sow good thoughts and actions, and in my body, I reap the results. So how to put this capacity into direct practice in support of ourselves. Rick Hansen uses this beautiful acronym, HEAL, H-E-A-L. Uh, HEAL is have, enrich, absorb, and link in terms of intentionally working with the good, taking in the good. So as he points out, we often are having many, many moments that could be pleasant throughout our day if we were awake to them, if we were not being so driven by the, the stress in the moment. So learning how to wake up and feel into these moments Take the time to savor them. Um, really like, like absorbing. Ah, somebody named, um, I can't remember which one of you, just the, the beautiful weekend, the weather. This Yeah, Camille. Um, taking the time to really absorb this beautiful weather, especially in light of so many difficult weathers. Like when a day is really nice, how do we make sure we live it um, and feel it and absorb it? So being able to have gratitude for the good becomes a powerful resource right in the midst of the challenge. He calls this moving from state to trait. State is the um, rapidly changing present moment experience. Trait is when we develop a habit state of mind. So I might have a blip it of a good feeling 
that just comes and goes and is gone. Or a blip of, oh, this really is a beautiful day. And I intentionally pause and like open my eyes and I see the beauty of the day. I really take it in, enrich, absorb. I really take it in. And doing that, I can actually redirect the traits of my mind, um, the um, habit, the habit states that I'm in. Instead of constantly being in a habit state of anxiety, with time, I can begin to change that to a habit of being awake to what is pleasant, to what is good, to what is soothing um, in, in any given moment. For the skillful traits to develop, we actually have to stay with an experience long enough for it to have impact on our brains. We actually have to like be intentionally open to what's good in the moment. I read a long time ago, I used to read Catherine, Kathleen Purvis. I don't know if she still writes. She was a cooking writer in the Charlotte Observer. I loved reading her columns. There were times that she would write about an enjoyment of food that was, you know, almost sacred in the way that she had just such deep respect um, and reverence for the beauty and the good of the food. And I remember one article I read years ago, never forgotten this one. She had written one time about the joy of eating a bowl of chicken noodle soup that she had made. And just like the, the article was like beaming about how good this bowl of chicken noodle soup was. So then she got all these letters like, oh my gosh, the recipe, give me the recipe. I want the recipe for the soup. And so what she wrote was, it was impossible to share the recipe for that bowl of soup. It would have to include the trip to the farmer's market, the getting the chicken, the stock that was made from leftovers that was already sitting in her fridge, the walking out to her garden to get whatever veggies were calling to her fancy at that moment. The friends, the family, the glass of wine. It was like this just beautiful, multi-step act of love that got her to the place of a bowl of chicken noodle soup that was nourishing for the soul. So like if you just pause right now for your own self, and take a moment to feel into something you're grateful for. Maybe something today, something that was in your day today. Let yourself fully visualize whatever this gratitude is for. Could even be something that's present right now. And as you draw this to your mind, Feel it in the body. If you're really open and aware to the gratitude of this, what does that feel like in the body? 
Really notice that difference from thinking about something to allowing a felt experience. In a practice like this, then Rick Hansen suggests intentionally absorbing it, like a sponge soaking up water, gold dust sinking in, finding a jewel in the treasure chest. And then noticing if this is difficult, if it's not really accessible, which is useful, important information as well. As he says, we might be so rusty on noticing the good that even when we try to notice the good, it's hard. So just notice what that intentional moment of practicing with taking in the good is like for you. It's really normal for this to be hard. For many people to experience a challenge to sustain a positive experience. And for it to have lasting impact on the brain, we really need to be able to hold on to that positive experience, um, feel into, slow down with it, unpack it, allow, allow it to settle in our bodies. And so wherever you were with this was accessible or this was really challenging, there is this practice heal that he recommends where we can intentionally carve out time to retrain ourselves or deepen our training in how to be awake and open to what's good in the present. So again, heal is H, to have, to really notice having a positive experience. E and A, enrich and absorb, like take the time to savor. I think of Kath- Kathleen Purvis and that bowl of chicken noodle soup that she savored, you know, every step of the making of that bowl of soup. Um, what does that look like to you to allow a possibility of savoring? And then the L is interesting. It's linking. It's learning how to begin to link a positive with a negative. Like say I have that moment of anxiety, learning how to acknowledge that with care and bring up some, some form of goodwill or Um, well-wishing or compassion or care right in the moment so that we're actually training ourselves to bring up care with the stress so that we can get to the place where we have stress and the automatic training of the brain of the mind the body the heart is to is to open to what's what's healing what's wholesome in that moment to meet the moment of stress. So when you consider it that way, this practice of savoring is never about trying to cling or grasp or you know, create this Pollyanna world of all positive sunshine, rainbows and unicorns. Um, it's never, ever, ever about pushing away the negative. Uh, 
we can we we can create such positivity junkies that um, I like the way one writer um, um, wrote uh, described uh, someone who she felt was she didn't use this term but basically felt was a positive positivity junkie she said this person was almost allergic to anything negative that's that's not what we're looking for with this this is like this wholesome opening to the whole of experience which is more than just one way so i'll finish with what rick hansen says along those lines when you tilt towards the good you're not denying or resisting the bad You're simply acknowledging, enjoying, and using the good. You're aware of the whole truth, all the tiles of the mosaic of life, not only the negative ones. You recognize the good in yourself and others in the world. And when you choose to, you take it in. So let's just pause here for a moment. And I invite you to explore What's it like right now to open up to something that's good, that's right here in this moment, even if it's as simple as the life energy of the breath, compassionately sustaining life in this body, in and out. Thank you.